Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to James chapter number 1. Uh, it's good to be back with you all. It was a blessing a couple months ago to be here, and I'm, I'm glad to be here once again. Um, the last time I was with you, you remember, we, we looked at the first couple verses of James 1, and we're going to look at the next couple verses now. Um, and before we read, I'll pose, uh, pose to you this question. When somebody asks you, how do I become smarter? How do you answer that question? When someone says, how, how do I um, increase my intelligence? How do, you, how do you answer that question? It's one that I think has um, a variety of possible answers. You could probably tell them, well, if you read more books, you'll become more intelligent. If you read more books, you'll become a smarter person. If you're talking to a, a younger person especially, you may say, well, if you go to college, that, that's one way to become become smarter, it will equip, equip you with the tools that you need uh, in whatever profession that you desire to go into. Or perhaps you could even say that, that traveling abroad is a good way to increase your intelligence, to increase um, your, your, your um, smartness, if you will, if that's a word. Um, but if somebody asks you, if somebody comes to you and, and says, how do I increase my wisdom? How do I become wiser? How do you answer that question? I think it's a, a difficult one. It's, it seems uh, conventionally impossible because I think that in our culture today, we ascribe time itself as the only thing that gives wisdom. If you live for a long time, you'll eventually become wise through osmosis, through just having a lot of experiences. But other than that, there's not really a whole lot of ways that, that we would think we can increase our wisdom. And so when someone comes to, to ask us that question, we don't really know the answer. Well, our text here in James chapter 1 actually gives us um, an answer in this, in this regard. If we ask, how do we increase our wisdom? James chapter 1 here actually gives us some ideas. Some, it gives us a positive answer. That in fact, we, we can increase our wisdom, and it tells us exactly how to do so. So James chapter 1, we're going to read verses 1 through verse 8, but we're going to focus on verses 5 through verse 8 this morning. James chapter 1 and verse 1 begins, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Then we come to our text in verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom... Let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for the wisdom that is contained in the pages of your word. I pray, O oh Lord, that we would increase in wisdom even this morning as we dive into this text from your servant James. I pray, Lord, that you would bless these people with ears to hear. I pray that you'd bless me this morning with a mouth to speak. I pray that mutually we would be edified by one another and by your word so that we may be more conformed to the image of your son Jesus by the working of your Holy Spirit. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 
By reading here, we, we find that there is a way to positively increase our wisdom, and it's not just by living for a long time. It's not just waiting until we're older and, and we've had more experiences. And in fact, that itself is, is somewhat an er- erroneous idea because it, it ascribes the source of wisdom, again, to time. But James tells us here that the source of wisdom is God himself. And oftentimes, as, as we will see later this morning, God, in his grace, grants us wisdom as we grow older, as we experience more things. Although that's, that's not always the case. I think that perhaps all of us, know, uh, all of us in here know someone who is uh, older, but who does not seem to have become wise in their old age. There, it, it is a, um, evident that, that God is the, the source of wisdom and not time itself by the fact that there are people in our lives who, who, who have lived a long time and yet have seemed to learn nothing from their time on earth. We see here that God himself is the source of wisdom, and therefore if we desire to increase in wisdom, we must ask for his blessing. James says, if, if you want wisdom, in verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom... Let him ask of God. And that almost seems to us to be too simple. It reminds me of a name in the Syrian when he went to Elisha for, for the healing of his leprosy. And Elisha said, go dip yourself in the Jordan River. And Naaman said, that, that can't be right. That's way too simple. That doesn't make any sense. And sometimes we come to this, this passage and it's easy for us to say, that can't be all there is to it. Just ask God for wisdom and he'll give to us. That, 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 that's too simple. This is what James tells us here. He says that, that if we ask of God, he will provide us wisdom. And it's easy for us to, to think of God as the source and the fountainhead of all of our tangible physical blessings. We, we know that God is the one who provides us the financial needs that we have. We know that he is the physical healer of our bodies when we are sick. But sometimes we forget that God also gives to us those intangible things, like, like sanctification and wisdom. He is the fountainhead of all those things as well as the physical things that we need. And so James tells us this morning, if we desire to have wisdom, we must ask God. And so as we look at this text, I just want to make three points. I want to look at it in three points and and essentially answer three different questions. The first of all, the the first question is, uh, what is wisdom? We want to make sure we are defining our terms. We want to make sure that we are all on the same page as to what we are talking about when we say uh, the word wisdom. So we want to ask, what is wisdom? Second, we'll look at how we should ask God for wisdom. We know, that we, should, we know that we should ask God for wisdom, but we want to ask, how are we to do that? And third, uh, what happens, what's the result when we ask God for wisdom in a correct way? Again, what is wisdom? How should we ask God for wisdom? And what happens when we ask God for wisdom in a correct way? So first of all, what is wisdom? Now, I'm sure that... Each of us in here, if we all wrote down our definition on a piece of paper, we'd probably have a wide variety of answers. Uh, wisdom can mean a lot of different things in a lot of different contexts and, and to a lot of different people. And in fact, uh, as I'm going to show you, there's actually quite a few meanings for wisdom depending on where you are in the Bible itself. Um, we don't have to turn there, but in Exodus 31, God, he, he's speaking about the construction of the tabernacle and, and the creation and, and the, the, the building of the tabernacle. And God says these words, See, I have called by name Bezalel, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom 
in understanding, in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship. And in this context, wisdom has to do with skill in in craftsmanship. Job 12, verse 12 says, Wisdom is with aged men and with length of days understanding. And here again, we see the concept that God often works through uh, time and experience to give wisdom to those who are older. And so there is a sense in which those who are older commonly are the, are the wisest among us. And that's why the Bible tells us to, to respect our elders and, and, and to listen to them. You see, there, there's an, another meaning for, for wisdom, the wisdom that comes with age. And 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 7 says, uh, Paul is speaking, he says, We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God, before, which God ordained before the ages for our glory. In that context, Paul's talking about the gospel itself. And so you see, there's a lot of different things that wisdom can mean, even within the pages of Scripture. So we want to make sure that we have the, the right definition. We want to make sure we know what James is talking about specifically when he says wisdom. And, and in God's wisdom, he has provided us with a definition. If you just turn the page to James chapter 3, James goes a, a long way in defining his own terms in this uh, couple chapters over. In James chapter 3, we see another a small discourse about wisdom. And we see that, that James, again, he goes a, a long way in defining his own terms here. James says in James 3 and verse 13, he asks, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. So first here we see that this wisdom that James is talking about is not some stagnant, Wisdom, it's not some ethereal knowledge, it's not the old man on the mountain who, who, is, who is wise, but, but all he does is, is sit up there and think about his own thoughts. This, this wisdom that James is talking about is the wisdom that, that pours out as we, we live our lives. It's the wisdom that is reflected in how we live our lives. It, it shows in our works, and therefore it is a practical kind of discernment. It's a practical wisdom. And he goes, uh, I think this idea is enforced in verse 14 of James 3. He says, if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where, bitter, for where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. So you see, even the wisdom of the world, even the wisdom that is demonic in James' eyes is practical. It shows in the way that we live our lives. And this makes sense when we look at those who are wise according to the world's standards. That's not just some uh, undefinable sort of intangible idea. Their wisdom reflects in the way that they live their lives. When I, um, I went through these sermons at, at Mount Calvary uh, as I preached there, um, and we, I don't remember exactly what text we were talking about, but I, I kind of did a deep dive on the, the Bush family, the, the family that, that owns the, the Bush Brewing Company, or, or did own it. And, and this was a, a multi-billion dollar family, and they, you, can, you can see by, by the, the family drama that unfolded throughout the years that they were very wise in business. They knew how to, to get ahead. They knew how to make a buck. But you look at their, their family relations and you see that they're always fighting each other, that they're, they're tearing each other apart. And this is very common in, in these mogul families that, that are, are multi-billion dollar families fighting over, over corporations. They're wise. They, they know how to, how to make money. They know how to turn a dollar. But it's a self-seeking wisdom. 
It's a, a wisdom that, that seeks its own. And so not every wisdom is the good wisdom that we want to ask God for. There's a lot of different practical discernment out there. But there's just one kind that James is concerned with, and we see him define it in verse 17 of James 3. He says, the wisdom that is from above, and if we, if we think this is the wisdom that we're praying for in chapter 1, the, this is the wisdom that we're asking for, we see the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. So we see that this wisdom is a, it's a practical discernment, but it's not just any practical discernment. It's a, a practical kind of wisdom that, that, that shows and flows in our works and how we live our lives. But it's a practical discernment that's held in light of the gospel. And thereby, it becomes effectual to conform us to the image of God. And that's why James, he gives all those qualifiers. He says that it's pure and peaceable. And gentle and willing to yield and full of mercy and good fruits without partiality, without hypocrisy. It's a practical discernment that conforms us to God's image. It is, uh, it is practical. It does help us in, in the things that we need discernment for. But it's not a, a wicked kind. God is not going to provide us with wicked and evil wisdom. But it's a wisdom that will conform us to the image of God. And so we see it's a practical discernment for life held in light of the gospel. And here, I'll make my first application. We need to view wisdom in the light that James is defining it. We need to view wisdom as something that, yes, it will help us perhaps in our business endeavors or in our social life or whatever, but whatever it does for us, it is also conforming us to the image of Christ. We should not desire a a cunning sort of wisdom that is going to throw us deeper into the pits of sin, but we should desire a wisdom that draws us closer to Christ, that makes us more like Christ by the work of the Holy Spirit. We don't don't want a wisdom that the world has, and we don't want this kind of um, amalgamation of of facts in our minds, like again, the old man on the mountain who who, who his wisdom doesn't do anything for anybody. It's a wisdom that, that works in our, in our lives, and it's a wisdom that conforms us to God's image. This is the kind of wisdom that we want. These are the, this is the kind of people that we want to be. The people who, who have wisdom, but, but a wisdom that is conforming them to the gospel. Second of all, we saw what wisdom is, but, but how do we ask for it? We see in, in James 1, in verse 5, turning back to James 1, he says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. We see we're to ask for this wisdom, but we see in verse 6 exactly how we are to ask for it. James says in verse 6, Let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. And so how do we ask for wisdom? Well, let's start with the negative side. How do we not ask for wisdom? We see that, that we are supposed to ask for wisdom, but there's a way that we can ask that's an impure way, a way that is, is not right. And we see that James, he, he says that we are not to ask in a way that is doubtful. He says we must ask in faith with no doubting. Now we want to be careful here. I think that this is a text that could easily be perverted by, by those who subscribe to the prosperity gospel. 
who say that all, all we have to do is just whatever we want, we have to believe that God will give it to us, and, and no matter what it is, God, God will give us what we want, as long as we, as, we, as long as we don't doubt. And we know that this is not what is being said here. The specific context is wisdom. We can know that if we ask without doubting, God will give us wisdom, but, but, but it's not talking about other things here. It's just talking about wisdom. And so we see we are not to doubt when we ask God for wisdom. We are to believe that he, would, that he will give to us wisdom. Well, but we have to ask ourselves, well, why, why exactly would somebody doubt that God would give them wisdom? Why would somebody doubt this? Well, I think there's a couple reasons. The first, the first reason would be the, the, the posture of an unbeliever that, that uh, doubts that God has the power to give them wisdom that doubts that that God has the ability to give anybody wisdom. And this is a posture that that is taken, this is a belief that is held, because unbelievers, they they deny the existence of God, at least in their hearts. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And if they don't believe that God exists, then how can they believe that God will give them wisdom? Seems like an oxymoron. But sometimes we see unbelievers... They cry out to God for help and they've come to the end of the rope. I, uh, I, I used this example the first time I preached this, this message. Uh, the, the old classic Christmas movie, It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, I'm sure many of you grew up watching it as, as I did. And if you'll remember in that story, J- uh, Jimmy Stewart's character, uh, he, he comes to the end of his rope. I won't describe all of it. I assume that many of you have seen the movie. He comes to the end of his rope and he, he seems to have exhausted all of his options. And he comes down to the end and he cries out to God after, after having done everything possible himself. He cries out to God finally and he says, show me the way. But people who, who come to God as a last resort is kind of the end of their rope. I mean, God can convert people in that way. I don't mean to deny that. But oftentimes people who, who just pray to God as a last resort, they, they don't really have the belief that God can give them wisdom. It's just an act of desperation. And in fact, in, in the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, this, this kind of belief is, is expressed. Um, God doesn't answer his prayer immediately. And, and because of that, the, Jimmy Stewart's character says, well, I guess that's what I get for praying. And this is the, the, the easy um, statement of an unbeliever after they don't see God answering their, their request very quickly, is they didn't really believe anyway. Well, that's what I get for praying. And so that's the first kind of doubting, that God has the power to give us wisdom. But, but as believers, we can often doubt God's, uh, God's uh, giving us wisdom as well. We can often doubt this as well. But usually I think that we are going to doubt for a different reason. Oftentimes when we as believers doubt that God is going to give us wisdom, it's not because we don't believe that he can give us wisdom. But sometimes we fail to believe that God will give us wisdom. You notice the distinction there. It's not a question of God's power, but it's a question of God's, perhaps of God's goodness, of God's love for us. This reminds me of a, a video I saw on Facebook. There's this guy, and he's walking uh, through, through a mall, I think, and he, he's recording with his phone, and he sees this famous musician, and uh, he, he, he calls out, Hey, can you pay for my college tuition? Because he knows that this, this guy, this musician, he, he's, a, he's a multi-multi-millionaire. He knows that he has the money, uh, if, he, if he wanted to, to pay his, his, this, this guy's college tuition. 
But you, you think about that situation, a guy crying out like that in desperation, and, and you realize that guy, he, the guy filming, he probably knew that the, the musician had the power to do that, to, to pay for his tuition. But because that musician didn't really know him from Adam, because he, he'd never met him before, because they had no sort of previous relationship, he probably had a lot of doubts that that musician would turn around and, and give him the money that he wanted. And the reason that the video became so popular was because the musician actually did turn around and, and pay that guy's college tuition. But you see, the reason for, for that guy having, having doubts, it would be because he doesn't have a relationship with that person. And, and sometimes I think that, that we can doubt God's goodness to us because we forget the interest and the care that God has for us. We forget the wonderful deeds of God towards his church in the past. We forget that God has sent his son to die upon the cross for us and to be an advocate for us. We forget that the Father and the Son have have poured out the Spirit upon us that we might be uh, blessed and comforted while we are separated from Jesus Christ during our our earthly walk. We forget the, the interest that God has for us and because of that, we doubt that God will give us wisdom. Even if we think that he can... Even if we think that he is powerful enough to give us wisdom, sometimes it's easy to doubt that that he will do that. And that comes from a lack of understanding God's relationship to us, God's love for us. And we have no excuse for this, this kind of misunderstanding because God clearly tells us of his love in the Bible all throughout the pages of Scripture. The Bible is effectively a love letter from, from God to us. And so we are told by James that If we desire for God to give us his wisdom, we must ask for it. And we must not doubt that he will give it to us. And if you will, turn to Proverbs 2. I want to show you one other thing that is is not found in in the book of James, but one other biblical principle that we can go about doing when, when we desire God to give us wisdom. We must ask, we must ask in faith with no doubting, but we can also do this. Proverbs chapter 2, and uh, I wanna, we're going to go back and read the first couple verses, but I want to read verse 5 first, because I want to show you something. Proverbs chapter 2, and look at verse 5. Solomon says, he says, Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find knowledge of God. He says, if you do these things, and we're going to look at these things in a second, if you do these things that I've just outlined, you will receive wisdom. This is another promise that God will give us wisdom if we perform these things. What things is Solomon talking about? Well, we go back to verse 1. Remember, Solomon has promised that if we do these things, we will find wisdom. He says in verse 1, My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, So that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord. Going back to verse 5. And find the knowledge of God. And so when we desire that God would give us wisdom. We ask him for it. But then we also have to search for it ourselves in a way. God, he he calls us not to kind of sit with our hands in our pockets, not to sit idly and and just kind of wait for a voice from heaven. But he says you must incline your ear to wisdom. 
and to find understanding. And we see this is because in verse 6, the Lord gives wisdom. We find that biblical principle we've already found in James and we see all throughout the Bible. God is the source of wisdom. And so we must ask God for wisdom, but at the same time, we have a responsibility to, to, to actively pursue it. And then how do we do that exactly? Well, I'll just give you a couple ideas. We, we can search the scriptures for wisdom. That's effectively what Solomon is, is saying here. If you incline your ear to, to my words, and of course his words for scripture, if you incline your ear to, to scriptures, then you will find wisdom. If we search God's word, in it are contained the words of life. We can search for wisdom by, by entering into discipleship relationships. We can ask those who have uh, been in the faith longer than we have, who know the scriptures better than we have, we can ask other saints to disciple us and to help us in our walks. And, and by that way, we can, we can find wisdom. We can seek uh, to sanct- uh, become sanctified throughout every situation that we're in. That's another way to pursue wisdom. We see in, in James, if you're still in James 1, we read um, this morning, it's not in our text, but we see in verse 2, he says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. When we enter into every trial knowing that this is a way for God to give us wisdom, looking for God's wisdom in each situation, then it will be more likely that we will find it. And this kind of becomes a... A strange idea for us at first. God is the source of wisdom. He is the one who grants wisdom. And without his blessing, none of us will increase in our, in, our, in our knowledge and in our wisdom. And at the same time, he calls us to pursue it ourselves. But we have to understand that it's not our pursuing that gives it to us, but it's God who supplies us with wisdom. We wonder, how does that work? Well, I'll give you the, the very easy and, and short answer. I don't know. And I don't think that any of us know. That's one of the great mysteries of, of Scripture. How does God work through our works? We, are, we know that the, the Scriptures, they call us to repent, and at the same time, God's Word tells us that no one would repent without God's grace. And so we see that wonderful divine mystery of, of human action and God's sovereignty, and how do those, those come together? We don't know, but we are still called to pursue wisdom ourselves. I like to think of it as a, as a farmer, there's a lot of farms out near uh, Mount Calvary. You pass through all the, all the different farms on the way there. And, and I think of it like a farmer. He plants and he tends his crops. He has to fertilize them. He has to water them. He has to prune them and take care of them. But at the same time, their growth is not really up to him. And similarly, we, we, we cultivate wisdom. We search for it. And at the same time, we acknowledge that when we do discover wisdom, when, when God implants discernment for life, into our hearts, that it was not our effort that got us there, but it was God who granted it to us. And so that's the second application. We must ask God for wisdom while at the same time pursuing it by searching God's word, by joining ourselves to, to older, older saints or, or saints who have walked in the, in the faith longer than we have. And lastly, we see the result of correctly asking God for wisdom. We see in verse 5, if you're still in James chapter 1, James says at the very beginning of our text, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives all, to all liberally and without reproach. And he gives the result right there in verse, at the end of verse 5. And it will be given to him. 
We can just step back and reflect on that for a moment. What a wonderful thought that is, that if we ask God in faith for wisdom, then God will give it to us. We may not, we may not see it right away. We, it's not guaranteed that, that God is going to you know, shine a spotlight on us from heaven, give us a magic light bulb on, on top of our heads, and, and immediately we, we are wise. All of a sudden, we're, 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 we're struck with wisdom. It's not like the, um, the computer that wore tennis shoes. I'm sorry I'm referencing all these old movies, but you know in that movie he, he, he gets electrocuted and all the knowledge from the supercomputer goes into his mind. That's not what's going to happen to us. God often works through means. He often works through our experiences and through our searching to grant us wisdom. But we know for sure that however God does it and however long it takes, God will give to us wisdom. It's an absolute guarantee. If we see ourselves, we, we, we realize, I need wisdom from God. We have but to ask and to incline our ear to it, and we know that God will give us wisdom. And that leads me to my last application, is that when we ask God for wisdom, when we pursue wisdom, we need to have the faith that it will come. Even if it takes a while, even if it's a long quest rather than a quick adventure, we have to have the faith that God will give to us wisdom. Just as, the crop, uh, just as the farmer believes that the crops will grow, we as believers must believe that, that God will give to us wisdom. Because that's, that's in our name, isn't it? We're believers. But what exactly do we believe? We believe in God and the promises of God. And here in James chapter 1, we're confronted with one head on. If we believe that God can give us wisdom, that God loves us and desires to give us wisdom then we can be sure that he will, in the future, surely give us wisdom. And this morning, we've, we've seen three things. We've seen that the wisdom from above is, is practical discernment for life that is held in light of the gospel that conforms us more to the image of Christ. We have seen that to receive this wisdom, we must ask God, who is the source of wisdom, and he will give it to us. And we must ask knowing that we will receive what we ask for because God loves us, because he has great interest in us. And as we walk in our, our Christian lives, God will continue to sanctify us and to conform us to the image of Christ when we incline our ears to understanding. And so I impart you with this word, my friends. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach. Let us pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for the book of James and the wisdom that it gives to us. I thank you, Lord, that you are a giving God, that you do give liberally to all without any sort of reproach. We thank you, Lord, for we are so often foolish. We are so often darkened in our understanding, and we need your wisdom. And so we ask collectively this morning that this week specifically you would shine upon us with the wisdom that is from above, not a cunning crafty wisdom, not the wisdom of this age that is passing away, but we ask for the wisdom that is from above, that we may understand you, we may understand your word, that we may grow into the image of Christ by the work of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I ask you all these things in Jesus' name, amen. Our hymn of response this morning, if you'll stand with me, is Savior, like a shepherd, lead us, hymn 599, the first three verses.